Welcome to Soul Desire Podcast, whose mission is to help people integrate their faith into every area of their life. So welcome to Soul Desire Podcast. Once again, uh, Luke Cottingham here, and we have a, a new guest on the show, Dr. Emma Booker, and I'm going to give a quick uh, bio, and then we'll kind of jump in. Uh, she blogs for soul desires so anyone I, I was joking just a minute ago anyone that listens to this likely hopefully <laughs> you follow the website so you read her blog post but uh this is what it says emma received her doctorate in clinical psychology from regent university where she studied about the intersections of gender sexuality and faith identities as as the research assistant of dr mark yarhouse emma currently owns a small private practice Genesis Counseling LLC and hopes to someday operate a sexual and gender identity clinic for those navigating clinic, uh, sorry, conflict between sexual, sexual, gender minority experiences within with their Christian moral framework. Emma also received a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Painting at the University of Illinois. I am from Champaign, so awesome in nice. Urbana, Champaign, and makes pro-life art and signage found on social media as signs for life. She is on the board of a nonprofit organization. Grounds of Grace, which offers housing, trauma care, and other resources to those impacted by human trafficking in Central Illinois. Emma lives in her hometown with her husband, two children, and two boxer dogs. She enjoys attending daily mass as often as she can and is excited to use Soul Desire to reflect on her main areas of interest, psychology, gender, sexuality, human trafficking, art, and unfathomable beauty of the Catholic faith. Thanks so much for joining. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I wanted to get to know you a little bit more and... Again, others are familiar with your blog blog posts. And congrats on your baby boy. That's really awesome. I enjoy So chubby. <laughs> I know, I know you're going to detail. My biggest accomplishment, a chubby baby. <laughs> yeah. No, he's awesome. And he's your third, right? Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because on the, obviously you had two at the time when I just, I just realized as I was reading that. That's awesome. I know you went into detail, but do you mind describing what it was like having a baby during the the pandemic and especially in the way in which you had? Oh my gosh. Well, I'll just try to be succinct. He just came so fast out of nowhere. And I had to call the hospital on the way to say, I think he's going to be born in the car. And then they reeled me in and it basically got me on the bed and I pushed him right out and there wasn't any doctors or nurses around. It's just insane. It was a mess. It was so scary. So it almost would have been like better to have an at-home birth in that moment. Oh, <laughs> like yeah. a, well, not that you would have known that was going to happen, but. <laughs> oh, right. Right. Oh, we pretty much just should have. I mean, he came out, I guess, kind of blue and they had to, mm. they had to take him over to that. I don't know what they call that little bed on the side and revive him, but he was fine. It was no big. Wow. That's yeah. That's well, such a gift. And that's beautiful. Yeah. We had, when, when was he born? I'm, I'm sorry. When, what month? October 25th. October 25th. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. We had our baby. Wow. I, I, time has passed so much, but she just turned a year, baby Edith Aww. on March 13th. So we had, Yay. we were right at the crossover. So when people were not wearing masks, cause it was not mandated. I want to make that clear. Like people in the hospital were doing what they're supposed to, but then they just stopped allowing visitors the day after she was born. Oh, and that's kind of when everything shifted schools shut down the day of her birth. I remember because it was Pi Day. That was like three fourteen oh. when everything was going nuts. So you just, you're right, you just missed it. Yeah, no, it's it was crazy experience. But at the same time, I feel like time has gone such a weird 
fashion in, in a year. Cause I almost said, Oh yeah, I, we just had a baby, but she's like a year now. So it's just crazy. <laughs> you can still say that. That's not a problem. Yeah, no. We and and you know, it's such a, it's been such a gift to have a baby during COVID as crazy as that sounds because you're quarantined and you want to stay inside and there isn't all this FOMO that might come with having a newborn and not really being able to get out and be with people like you just kind of want to shut yourself up and what better way to do that but with the baby so it's kind of a good time to have the baby I think it was and for us too and and really the same situation when everything was happening it was really stressful but I was already going to take a couple weeks off and my wife obviously was on maternity leave but having even more time because we moved to e-learning so I was able to work from home that was just a really yeah yeah, fulfilling really truly like experiencing parenthood as it should be I think I I wish that uh we yeah our society gave uh more time and more resources for childcare as well as time for both parents I I it was good to have that built in this time Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm sure that was great. You could jump in and see the wife and baby between classes or something. You couldn't ever do that otherwise. No, no. Yeah, uh, I definitely want to. I just I, I love uh, faith journeys today. I really just want to focus on yours. because I'm always fascinated how people uh, come to discover their faith because or, or rediscover their faith. Because I feel like it's always a journey and there's always I've, almost in every person I ever talked to, there's a moment where you truly accept your faith, whatever it was. And <laughs> maybe describing your influences growing up, what your life was like with your family um, and what faith you practiced when you were younger. So I was raised in the apostolic Christian church. And I suppose anyone in central Illinois has heard of that because this is sort of the Mecca of AC churches. <laughs> there's one in almost every town, it seems. So Sure. Well, well, that so the AC Church is a, I think, Anabaptist fundamentalist church where, let's see, women wear head coverings. They're not allowed to play sports. Well, no one's allowed to play, play sports. Yeah, you can't go to it. You can't go to like formal dances. Like okay. you can go to like prom or homecoming or anything like that. Um, and they greet each other with the holy kiss. Of course, that's probably going to be eradicated now post COVID. But <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's a whole a whole bunch of sort of <laughs> rules like that that they take the Bible very literally and um, implement it into church teaching as doctrine. So, I I was never a member of the AC Church though. I, I never had any issues with it. Mm-hmm. Like a, a, most of my family is AC and. I would say, I don't know, a lot of them have issues, the people who have left, but having never actually become a member myself, I don't have any beef with it or anything. I thought it was a great church to be raised in. And then I, then I joined Harvest Bible Chapel. That's what it was known as the time, but it's now Summit Point. When I got married, my husband, after I got married, my husband and I got baptized together. He was actually, this is sort of a plot twist in the whole thing because he's he is actually, um, he was baptized Catholic, never, (laughs) it's crazy. He was baptized Catholic and he has no interest in Catholicism now whatsoever. But so he was technically re-baptized with me, um, (laughs) because they don't believe in infant baptism. They believe in a believer's baptism. So, so I'm actually technically still a member of, of summit point. I've never, they don't let you like, you can't like say you're not a part of like, you can't just leave or officially. Oh, I could could officially leave, but membership is such a, 
I don't know. It's not, it doesn't really mean anything at that church. They don't oh, do okay. like voting or anything. So I've never officially, I've never it's renounced my position there. Not the same as like when you're confirmed in the Catholic church. Yeah, Catholic no, it's yeah. like, I think we took like a, you know, like a two hour class one Saturday when we became members. So, so they don't want, <laughs> they don't want membership to be a big deal. They want it to be pretty easy to get into. So I mean, there's they'd something probably, they'd probably pride themselves. Yeah. That. There's something member that this was not something that you desired to continue in or what was that reason? You know, when I, when I was 16 or 17, I started meeting with the elder of the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what they call kind of like their head priest, so to speak. So it's the elder I met with for probably six months and we'd meet every wow. Saturday for a couple hours. And he kind of walked me through this faith. I'm going to call it faith booklet of sorts. And mm-hmm. I was pretty serious about becoming AC at that point, but I was dating my now husband at the time. And I, I had said at the end of it all, like, well, I'm not going to stop dating my husband because you're not allowed to date. And I said, I asked him, I said, well, you know, it'd be really cool though, if I could be baptized. Cause like, I really love your church. I just, I think I would be a member someday, but not right now. And then he refused to baptize me. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and, and I, That's so time, sad. I was very yeah. hurt. I was very hurt at the, which looking back, like, obviously he wasn't going to baptize me. They only baptize people who are members of their church and have oh, been so members for months you. and months. Yeah. That's just the way they do it. Okay. But for whatever reason, like that really hurt me at the time. And so, um, that was probably when I officially was like, yeah, I'm probably never going to actually do this. I, I think it's so easy to talk to reach out to people who are like-minded But at the same time, the call of evangelization is so much more to reach out to all nations. That that kind of solidified for me at Mm -hmm. the time. I don't think I'm ever actually going to become an AC. And I didn't, I never, I didn't break. I wasn't ready or willing to break up with my boyfriend at the time. And like I said, we got married a couple years later. So Uh, did you get married to any church at that time? Well, no, that's a great question. We actually, so we weren't allowed to get married in the AC church and we hadn't been attending Harvest long enough to really want to get married there. I don't even know if they had a building at that point. No, they didn't. They were still meeting (laughs) in a hotel. (laughs) (laughs) We, we're non-ACs are allowed to get married in what they call a fellowship hall. It's like a little building that most churches have that's sort of connected or on the same campus as their main church. So we got married in the AC fellowship hall in Morton. Gotcha. Awesome. What year was that? I'm just curious how long you guys have been married. Oh my gosh. It's coming up on 10. So 2011. Oh, yeah. Congratulations. We're like a month out, month out from 10 years. Woo-hoo. That's so awesome. Yeah. I was a baby. I was only 20 years old. Did you, yeah. Uh, was, did you ever have think that you were going to get married at that age or, you know, why I knew that I never really wanted to date somebody for more than a couple of years without getting married. <laughs> and we started dating when I was 18 and I don't know, after a couple of years, it was kind of like, I kind of want to either, we really wanted to get married or break up and it, it made most sense. Like we loved each other and thought that it was right. And I was certainly one of those like weird undergrads that was married though. <laughs> I, I bet that yeah, felt strange. I'm actually married. I'm a, I'm a senior in college, but <laughs> it was, it happened though. <laughs> when my wife and I were engaged, she was finishing getting her teaching certificate at Illinois state. And she was in classes with, with these like college age students that are at least 20, 21 or younger. And she noticed how career oriented that they really were. They had conversations about teaching and how, 
um, going above and beyond for your students. We had to the point where they would say they would put their students before anything. And then handle it. My wife jumps in and says, no, like I'm, I'm engaged. When I get married, I'm definitely going to want to put my family first. And they were just so like taken back by. No, I know. Yeah. I know what she's talking yeah. about. There was get, a lot of saying, pressure yeah. to not be married. Right. Yeah. So right. I'm sure you got People a lot thought of that. I was very strange. Yeah. That was brave of her. Well done. Stand up for the family. Uh, did you go any other directions before we, obviously we know you end up becoming Catholic, but what other directions did you go before that? If there were any. Well, we were members of um, Summit. So that okay. was. Oh, that's right. And, Sorry, you did say that. Yeah. yeah. And that was really. <laughs> now, Summit people would definitely fight against this. And I do fight about this with my brother, who's currently also a big avid member of Summit, though I think actually he's changing his mind. So, you know, Protestants love to do that. Yes. <laughs> they go here <laughs> and there. But I, I think that Summit and the AC church have a ton in common there. Mm. I mean, theologically, they really do. Like they both are against infant baptism. They both believe that the Eucharist is purely symbolic and there's nothing, nothing happening beyond um, just symbol. And -hmm. those two things are massive. Those are huge theological points that they kind of just think, oh, everyone believes, or if you don't like, that's kind of bizarre. So really like me being AC or being interested in the AC church and then being interested in summit was really not a very big leap. And a lot of ACs do end up going to summit church. Um, Is there more um, freedom with summit than AC? Is it not as restrictive? Obviously theologically, they're pretty similar, Mm -hmm. but is it different Mm -hmm. socially? Oh yeah, of course it's different socially. Like just simply the fact that they have like, it's like a rock concert. I mean, they have Mm. smoke machines, they have a light show. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. And the AC church is all acapella. You're not allowed to have instruments. So there you go. Yeah. That's a big difference. You could say that the liturgy is very different in some ways, but I think theologically they're quite similar. And so going from one to the other didn't feel like a culture shock to me, but there is a giant, giant culture shock of becoming Catholic. That's oh like, yeah. That was a foreign alien, uh, honestly, uh, I thought demon filled world. So. <laughs> oh yeah. That's probably what you're from what I get. That's probably what you're taught. Uh, oh uh, yeah. Probably of all, of all the, domi- would you say of all the denominations, uh, AC or looks down upon Catholics the most more than maybe some of the other like Presbyterian Methodist Lutheran oh oh certainly it's just and and summit as well summit like, too, yeah. I, yeah. and at summit summit is the only church that I've been to where I have actually heard Rome spoken out again against explicitly wow. where he said very very specifically the Rome and it I would say quite a few sermons that I've heard there are very blatantly anti-catholic but he doesn't actually say it but no pastor tim one sunday came right out with it that the roman catholic church has this teaching wrong <laughs> gotcha like, yeah here we are <laughs> what did you think at the at that time because it uh what did that did that stir anything in you or did it not i was much? catholic i was catholic at that point actually this was okay. a couple okay. years That's, ago I gotcha. yeah gotcha yeah, oh you yeah. had gone back i understand yeah I still go actually I said oh, mass okay. with I, I attend mass by myself and it, actually everything's been different with COVID but right when yeah. we start going more regularly again I'll go to summit as well summit and mass gotcha 
for family unity, you know. Oh, he Summit. goes to Summit. Oh, yeah. yeah. He, oh, no, he, that makes he sense. He likes Summit yeah. a lot, right? Right. That's his church. And, yeah, and it was our church, you know. Oh, yeah. So I'm the one that left. And, and yeah. so I choose to go with them still. But what drew you towards the Catholic faith? Oh, my gosh. Through a person? Was it through reading? Yeah. yeah. I'll let you go ahead. Yeah. No, it was. You got to you gotta ride. It was through a person. This was November 11th, I believe, of 2014. And I was at a conference. I was teaching on gender and sexuality mm-hmm. at a college in Atlanta. And this was with um, Dr. Yarhouse again. That's, that's the man that I studied under when I went yeah. to grad school. So we were doing a training for their grad program there, just a weekend training. And I had invited along, I was a third year student in my grad school at the time. And I had invited along a first year student thinking that she was, I just thought she was really fun. And she had a lot of interest in sexuality and gender as well. And she's Catholic which I knew and didn't think much of when someone (laughs) told me they're Catholic back then, I basically just thought, Oh, they're not really Christian. Like (laughs) I just thought that was just sort of like a thing that people said to say like, Oh, I don't really believe in God or I don't really have a relationship (laughs) with Christ. No, seriously. No, no. Yeah. I'm not my, I just, it's just such different perspectives. Yeah. (laughs) I know. Isn't that shocking? And lo and behold, she was like a, like a super Christian. So yeah. (laughs) that night we talked I mean I don't know how many hours I didn't really talk it was just her and she told me about the Eucharist Mm. I had never heard that theology before and I was so shook like I can't even I can't it it felt like it felt you know that feeling like you're falling in love like it Mm. like I was like totally swept up in what she was saying and totally just enamored in that moment. Like it felt like, it felt like I was on some sort of drug. And I mean, at the same time, I also thought she was totally crazy. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, that's what the, them. that's what the, uh, all, all, everyone who listened to Christ when he's talking in uh, John six about the Eucharist, like, this is my body. <laughs> you must eat to have eternal life. You must drink my blood. Like, as you know, like so many of them actually left Way in that away. moment. Yeah. For so sure. they, they, it, it is a crazy teaching. Yeah, no, go, go ahead. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, I didn't run away. I was that's, immensely, yeah, that's immensely attracted to it. Even though, even though I thought it was total foolishness, mm-hmm. I thought it was the craziest thing I'd ever heard, but this person describing it was so beautiful in that moment, just the way that she was talking about it. And we proceeded, I mean, I, I, we spent what honestly was an an unhealthy amount of time together after that over the next probably couple of months or so I I, we spent just endless endless hours and at the point we were staying up till four or five a.m and she would just pour into me all of these bizarre but very fascinating teachings of the catholic faith that I'd never heard of before and it was beautiful to me because it was like oh my gosh, there's actually another denomination out there that's Christian that I didn't even know of. Like I just always sort of thought that Catholics weren't Christian, which is so pathetic now. Pathetic isn't the right word, ridiculous. So that was like a really, really beautiful time for me because my eyes were open to this whole other section of Christianity. And I was just floored. 
when I rediscovered, I'd say my faith in college, it, I, I felt like I soaked up the, the truth and teaching it like a sponge. I went to Catholic grade school, but I didn't really, um, oh. really totally embrace my faith until college. Like I just really didn't. I, a quote I thought of by uh, Venerable, yeah, Venerable Fulton Sheen, unfortunately not blessed yet, but he uh, says there are not 100 people in the United States who hate the Catholic church, but there are millions who hate what they wrongly perceive the Catholic church to be. As yeah. you were saying that, it totally made me think of that. And it was really quite brave of her as well, yeah. because I was not receptive. I was receptive in the <laughs> sense that I wanted to talk to her about it or argue with her more like, um, but she, I mean, she was technically younger than me in the program, wow. like two years yeah. behind me. Like I, I was, I was her senior and that, and in some ways, you know, you, you sort of look up to the people who are in the cohorts above you. So. It yeah. really was brave of her to come out to me in that way as, as a very serious devout Catholic, because even our school wasn't super supportive of Catholics. So I remember our theology class, there was quite a bit of time spent sort of debunking Catholicism and wow. everyone's, everyone's eyes were sort of glazed over because we were all like, yeah, duh. <laughs> that's so funny but like going back I would have been all fired up no I'd have been like, oh no, yeah it's not true <laughs> I bet you would now if you went back <laughs> I know yeah. how much longer after those uh you said was it weeks of conversations that you had did it take you to decide that I guess you wanted to become Catholic where where are we at in the timeline here oh man so that was 2014 okay. and I have officially joined the church in 2017 I think is that right I kind of feel like it was that's what it said in your bio if you want me to oh yeah okay July 23rd is 2017 yeah 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 (laughs) so almost three years later I and I the very very first thing that actually changed because most of these things I didn't believe in for years to come Mm -hmm. and and the very first thing that I was struck by was the uh, theology around contraception. Because mm. um, I was really, I, I, I was really hurt in some ways by the way that the LGBT population was treated within Protestantism. It, it just felt like there was a double standard. Mm-hmm. And then, and then I, I just didn't, it didn't sit well with me. The theology was, it was weak. But then, then I really felt like the Catholic theology around it made sense. And there wasn't, there wasn't so much of this hyper focus on same sex behaviors. There was this generally just a really difficult teaching for everybody to follow. And then that felt good. That felt right to me. That felt like there was a challenge that wasn't um, homophobic in a way, because Mm -hmm. it was, it was for everybody. Yeah, um, the call to chastity too, like that. The, oh yeah, as one the of the call universal, yeah. Right, it's a universal right. call, and it's a within marriage too. Like, so then, that, at that point, I didn't even want to ever have children. We've mm. been contracepting for what five years at that point or so, and and I was basically saying, oh, I don't want to have kids, and um, <laughs> I spent I, I I spent a lot of time trying to convince him that we shouldn't have children, and. <laughs> I, the way I remember it is that he basically was resigned to it at that point. And he was like, yeah, I can see, I don't, you know, I don't, the kids are burdens, all the things that I told him. And, but then when I told him <laughs> that I was feeling convicted about contraception, 
like with a you know like, in a drop of a hat he was like yes let's have a baby <laughs> uh, that's awesome I like that I love that reaction oh yeah it was cool it was cool. that your your story is just fascinating me so much because I love conversion stories and um I mean based on your background what your contraception being one of the teachings you first accepted possibly can make sense but at the same time I thought that would be maybe one of the hindrances is most a lot of people it's like oh it's Mary or uh maybe the Eucharist or that's what drew you in is an underst- a deeper understanding. What- Funny. There was, a, I can't remember who it was, but someone else had that same story just recently. They were yeah. like, yeah, really the teachings on contraception are what drew me in wow. initially because finally something made sense when it came to sexuality. <laughs> the question I definitely had that is what, what was holding you that, cause it took you a few years and you said there, were, you wrestled obviously with different teaching. What do you think the teaching, the biggest teaching or whatever held you back the most from entering the Catholic church? Mary was the last hurdle to jump. Okay. Mary and theology was was hard for me mm-hmm. to grasp. And it wasn't even, it, it's more of an emotional response to Mary because to have a relationship with somebody other than Christ mm-hmm. feels like you're taking away from Christ mm-hmm. when now I know, but I mean, it is, it's still hard. Mm-hmm. But now I know that she does nothing but help you to love her son more. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that was just to to spend any time focusing on anybody other than Christ in prayer sort of felt like I'm taking time away from God. But mm-hmm. I mean, regardless, I was praying the rosary faithfully. <laughs> I mean, even I mean, I've probably been doing it daily for a few years now oh, before awesome. I was before I joined the church. So I was becoming rather, I had was becoming, I was developing a devotion to her, even though it made me feel very uncomfortable. I've cut, it made me squeam, you know, kind of like, Oh, I'm going to go to hell for this sort of squirming, yeah. you know? Yeah. She was just drawing, as you said, she was just drawing you closer to her son that I love that you kept praying it, even when you had I those. Did. That's so- I did. I don't quite know why. I, I, it was a comfort to me in some ways, I suppose. But I do remember my friend being, I remember telling my friend, I know this kind of just weirds me out and it makes me uncomfortable. And she was like, well, then don't do it. <laughs> I remember her <laughs> saying that and then being like, oh, well, I'm going to do it. <laughs> if no one's telling me that I have to, then now I want to. It was kind of funny how that. Yeah. Like reverse psychology or something. With the, another thing with the Catholic church is they're uh, one of the, I guess, criticisms or out, out, outside view of, of it is it's just a church that has so many rules and everything so, is so rigid with the liturgy, everything's so specific. It's, it doesn't make sense. Did you ever have any of that from your background looking at the church saying, well, there's some similarities in the fact that there is a rigidity in, in I guess, in certain ways, like with uh, doctrine? That the rigidity, I suppose, if you want to talk about it as such, is... I don't think it that way. I'm just uh, stating it no, as someone on right. the outside. Yeah. I was such a person that was like, mm-hmm. break every chain. We don't want any <laughs> rules. We want just the relationship. It's like the mere Christianity framework, you know, like yeah. Christ is here everywhere you know, we're going to have church in our bathroom. Like, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> so no, that, that, that was really the culture shock piece yeah. of having a liturgy and seeing it as very robotic and wrote, but, but so much of my conversion boiled down to submission to authority. And, mm. and I was seeing churches 
even the AC church in the last couple of years just had another ginormous, I mean, it was just this giant, another giant split. And it, it's just invariable that it's so, it's so inevitable. I mean, that as soon as people take over, which is, you know, any Protestant church, then things are going to get lost and things are going to change and think rules, so to speak, yeah. are, are broken or questioned or re rethought or what have you. So it became in my mind, such a beautiful thing to, I it's like, I don't, I don't even want the smallest word to change in, mm. in the liturgy of a service. And that that's actually really wonderful because that's ancient then. And now that has yeah. roots. And now that is something that is going to be unchanging. And if you don't have that, if you don't have that structure that you can call it rigidity, I know you're saying that in a negative way, but I almost see it as a positive spin at yeah. this point, which I, I would have never liked it before. Well, I think there's a comfort too in that at times, if you're attending mass and there's a lot on your mind, you're very stressed, anxious, having the comfort in a place, a sense of home, I don't know what it is, or just a sense of normalcy, a sense of, I know what's going to happen. It's, it's really, it can be very beautiful. And even if you feel like you're not fully participating that particular week, the, the, because it is the same, there's so much comfort, idle child being guided by their parent, being taken by the hand. There's, you don't have to, I feel like oftentimes we want to go into mass. We have to do so much, but in reality, it's, it's, we, we need to be able just to receive uh, mm-hmm. the gift that the mass is like our participation is, is receiving. It's not just what we, if we sing beautifully, that's beautiful. We don't need to have that to make, to get something out of the mass after returning exactly. to mass more recently from COVID. It's been very, uh-huh. it's been awesome. Shared so beautifully about your journey, what held you back, but also what has drawn you into the Catholic church. Is there anything else that you want to close with about your uh, faith journey? Yeah, I, I think I was, I, for whatever reason, this memory just came to my sure. mind um, because I, I will note that those three years that I was really probably two years that I was really struggling with it. Like it was a daily battle. My mental health was just in an awful, mm. awful place. And I, I felt like everything around me was just my, my foundation cracked and that's a horrible feeling. And <laughs> we haven't even really talked about my husband's perspective because I, I converted yeah. against his will. He, he didn't want me. Wow. He didn't want me to join the church. He still despises Catholicism. I'm, I'm oh. not trying to exaggerate. He's no, he, yeah, you're being real. Yeah. Yeah. I, he truly dislikes it. And anyway, I just had this one memory of like a, the, in the midst of it all. And this was really at the be, very beginning, even, um, that friend had taken me to the March for life. And that was another thing that sort of, I had another conversion in that regard as well. And I was just thought that was going to the March was so impactful. And the Washington DC cathedral, what's that called? It's probably like, I think it's the, I've been in the national, National you know what I'm talking about. It is like a church within churches. Oh, it's such a, it's such a boss church. I kind of was making fun of it at the time because I didn't (laughs) understand they had like, that was when I first learned out that 
learned that Mary manifests in the culture in which she oh, yeah, she takes on like that appearance. All the chapels and shrines to different, like Our Lady of Fatima, Our Lady of. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah like, I know exactly I, what you're talking about. I, like, I, I just thought that was kind of silly and impossible and just ridiculous, and it's so sad because it's actually the most amazing, amazing thing. And um, shows how diverse our our faith. Yeah, really it shows is, how right? diverse our God was. But yeah. at the time, I was at the time I was just like, why is would Mary? <laughs> appear in a Chinese form I don't know like to me that felt uncomfortable <laughs> and like like that's actually so incredible anyway I'll, I'm sorry I was just wanted to share this one you're good memory that I was so I was so confused and in such turmoil but I remember being in that it was actually in the lower chapel so not in the main one but we were like the last ones there it was late in the evening and I remember that I just felt that I needed to to genuflect. And mm-hmm. I did, I, I, as I was leaving, I turned around and, and knelt and got up and walked away. And I remember being really struck in that and myself kind of like looking down on myself being like, why did I just do that? Like, I don't even, I don't even believe it. There was yeah. no doubt that there was a presence there and it was a presence that I couldn't see, but I could feel. And wow. it, forced me to my knees. And that, that was, that was basically my whole journey in a sense. It was like, I didn't want to be Catholic, but I had to, because that was what was real and right and true. And I kicked and screamed. And now that I'm here, there's no looking back and it's, it's wonderful. Thank you. No, thank you for sharing that. It's, uh, it's a beautiful journey. And I, I think it's important to remind everyone listening to that our faith journeys, our metanoias continue always as we unfortunately are sinners and we turn away from Christ, but we know that there's always hope and there's always redemption there's always mercy. So mm-hmm. I'll keep praying for you as you, you. Uh, continue along. And I definitely want to ask you to come back on to talk about any of the amazing things that you do. I really appreciate it. This was nice to reflect on those things. It's like very nostalgic. Yeah. Yeah. You sounded very I've joyful. I've all sorts of feels thinking back. Thank you so much for joining us today on Soul Desire podcast.